Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rich Idea, Poor Idea. I created this podcast in order to learn and provide insight to my listeners about how the best founders come up with their startup idea and then go about validating it and launching it to the market. In this very first episode, I'm going to be sitting down with Tomasz Janu. Tomasz is a Czech entrepreneur, long-time entrepreneur. Back in 2018, he started his second company called DigiSmoothie. DigiSmoothie is completely bootstrapped, and just last year they hit over $300,000 in MRR. Now, DigiSmoothie is a unique company in that it caters to Shopify merchants. They develop applications for stores, and their flagship products are applications such as Candy Rack and Giftbox. I spoke to Tomasz about how he got the idea for DigiSmoothie and then went about validating them, developing them, and ultimately launching them to the market. A lot of great insights here, so I hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, thanks again for joining, Tomasz. Let's get started. Um, so I wanted to talk in this uh, episode about DigiSmoothie, specifically how you got the idea for it and then validated it. But before that, I want to go a bit further to your time working at, you worked at Google for a few years and then Avast for around 10 years. Uh, obviously, you gained a lot of knowledge in e-commerce during your time there. So could you tell me a bit about your background and what experience you gained working in these places? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, and thank you very much for uh, for having me. So I uh, started in e-commerce uh, even prior Google. I think I I was one of the first Magento user in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. So I, I had my own online store. Uh, I was selling uh, apparel which uh, I imported from UK at the time. It was during my uh, my studies of college. What kind and, of apparel was it? Uh, like a fashion apparel, like some of the some of the uh, UK brands uh, mm-hmm. which weren't available here at the time. Mm-hmm. And because I was alone, I didn't have my team. I didn't have any budgets. I didn't have uh, uh, also much knowledge. I had to do everything myself. So much at the time was a very uh, quite a technical, so required uh, some technical understanding, which kind of uh, required me to, to learn a lot about uh, about coding and how to put things together. Uh, and then once I put the shop up and running, I realized I probably need to get some traffic there. So I started to learn about marketing. And once I got the traffic there, uh, I realized maybe I can convert it better. So I uh, started to learn more about e-commerce. Mm-hmm. And this was like awesome for me experience because I've learned every bit from each area and that helped me a lot uh, throughout my uh, career going forward. Uh, during this, uh, I, uh, I joined Google uh, externally. So I first, I worked with the Dublin office mm-hmm. and then the office was relocated to, uh, to San Francisco, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, Czech Republic was a very special and still is a very special country from Google's point of view because it's one of the four uh, countries where Google uh, wasn't uh, the number one search engine. The uh, market was led by the local uh, search engine called Cessna. And Google was trying to understand why is that and what is so different uh, from Google versus the, the local search engine. So they, they kind of started this, uh, it was called, I think, search engine uh, uh, search engine specialist team or something mm-hmm. like that. 
it was a it was very again very broad uh, area of activities so it included from like you know kind of seeing what what the competition is doing what yeah. what people are up to how they are behaving online to determining determining uh, positions on specific queries so for example i, I had a query uh, i don't know whatever club matter yeah. and then uh, I I, sh I should report if the if the first result was was good or not and why it wasn't good or not. So the so they also learned uh, they were trying to, to teach the engine to understand the local queries. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was like having the the online store working for Google, and then the the Google it was just a you know part time job. It wasn't a full time job and it was remote. And I was about to finish the college, uh, so mm -hmm. I applied for some marketing role uh, through uh, an HR recruiting agency and the role uh, was already uh, closed but they told me hey there's a similar role at Avast and it was e-commerce specialist role and I remember going to the interview and uh, I didn't know what I did with the online store was called e-commerce or what it, uh, that there is actually there is a role like that and I can do e-commerce and someone will be uh, will be paying me money for that mm -hmm. and on the on the interview i realized oh my god this is so cool because i will be doing what i really like which was like a b testing and optimizing and always like aiming for the better results in terms of sales and someone will be actually paying me money for this this is like a like a dream job <laughs> and i passed the the interview process and i i, I joined the avast e-commerce team uh, I think it was 2011, mm -hmm. and, uh, that, uh, and at Avast, that's where I've learned everything I know today. That's what really helped me to start my own business with, with my co-founders. Right. We are actually like applying a lot of lessons from Avast also here. Mm -hmm. So we are trying to, you know, be very professional in some areas. Mm -hmm. And and I'm like super grateful to to Avast for the opportunity for the learnings and for all the people I, I've met during during my time yeah. there. So Thomas, you stayed at Avast for quite a few years. What actually made you get the idea for the G Smoothie? So you guys started out as a company that builds apps for Shopify stores. Uh, your your flagship product is Candirac. What was the process of getting the idea for that? So I think in, in general, I've always been uh, on the entrepreneurial side of the person personality so like you know some people you ask whether they ever thought about you know starting their own business and some of them say oh never that's not for me and some people either started or they are or they are thinking about it mm -hmm. and i i was always more on the on the entrepreneurial side and while i was at avast i wasn't like necessarily thinking what what should i do but i sort of a came to the conclusion that after 10 years, it's uh, it, it's time. And it was also a coincidence that uh, I've met with, uh, with Uri uh, from Weatherstack. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he's a great guy. He, he, he knows, uh, knows the startup ecosystem very well. And at the time, he, he knew the Shopify very well, uh, mm -hmm. which, uh, which I didn't. And so he told us about the Shopify ecosystem and we were super excited about it because Shopify gives you as an ad developer a really good chance to 
build something mm -hmm. and they will help you with, with getting it in front of the, the customers. So you don't need to invest much in marketing. And for us, that was a perfect fit because we understood e-commerce. So we, we were able to put together the product mm -hmm. and then Shopify helped us with distributing the product to, to clients. The, what we what we sort of missed was the the development and the technical understanding because uh, none of us co-founders uh, uh, were uh, developers so we actually had to had to find someone who will who will develop the the first app for us and help us to get it on the store and running and Thomas when it comes to the first app was it candy rack or was it something else yeah the the, the first step was candy rack the, I think the reason why we chose this app was first at the time we didn't see any similar app and approach to upselling and cross-selling on the app store at the time. And second, in general, we are trying to build solutions that help people to grow their business. And by growing their business, it needs to mean that you can put the dollar value to the to the value you actually brought to to the client because once the client see this solution brought me X dollars, then he's he's able to kind of calculate in his head or her head uh, that it's okay or not okay to pay for this solution. Yeah. If you are doing some, if you would be doing solutions, I don't know, for building a product page, let's say, it's nice, but what's the value of, like you would need to, it's very hard to, to transfer the, the value of product page builder into dollars. While in upselling, it's pretty like clear like what's the value. Like you have like X amount of upsells which were generated by the app, and that's the that's the value. Right. And what made you think that there's a market for candy rack on Shopify stores? Did you talk to any customers from Shopify, or was it just based on your previous experience that okay, having a candy rack in your store improves sales, and so you wanted to make it available to Shopify customers? It was more. Uh, we didn't. We didn't talk to any Shopify customers prior because the, the the Shopify merchants they, you know, they are focused on their own business. They don't care about about any other solutions or apps. They so so it probably wouldn't help. But what we did is we looked at what other upselling and cross selling tools are available, mm -hmm. and we just kind of you know. Put a, uh, put a hypothesis that we think we can do this better. Mm -hmm. And that's why we should pursue and that's why we should launch it. We didn't validate it with some more sophisticated research mm -hmm. uh, because we were kind of, you know, we were aligned on the on the vision and that that's what we that's what, what we believe in uh, will work. Right. So you saw that uh such services existed, but they weren't uh, very good, or at least they didn't match what you had worked with in the past. Yeah, I mean, whatever it is you are building, there is a very high chance it already exists on the market. And if it doesn't, it doesn't matter, because if you build it and you are first, then in a month there will be someone else building the exact same, same thing as you. So I think it doesn't really matter whether there is already a market or whether you are building the market because nowadays uh, the others will if, if you are building the market if you are starting the market the others will follow and and uh, it's you will never be alone on the market right mm -hmm. so it, it's about understanding what what are your uh, kind of advantages compared to the competition 
and whether you think uh, and whether you can actually build a better product than than others. Mm -hmm. That's a very good point. There will always be competition, but it's about you finding what's your value proposition, which differentiates you from the competition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's also all about uh, the the persistence and kind of you know doing the thing uh, because with the the world is full of ideas. But the execution is what what matters. So I wouldn't be afraid if someone will come and say, "Hey, I have this great idea." I I would be more kind of interested in understanding how they are going to execute it mm -hmm. than the actual idea, because uh, you know there have been so many good ideas, but they failed because yeah. they weren't executed in the right way, or they were executed, but the the team behind them weren't wasn't persistent enough to kind of you know, push them through. So uh, you have this, you meet your co-founders, you all share this vision for, you know, developing apps which will help Shopify stores, starting with, you know, upselling and candy rack. How do you go about finding your technical co-founder or maybe an employee to build the app for you? So at the beginning, it was really difficult because we were a very small team. We didn't have all the perks like we have today. We didn't have any brand, basically. And at the time, it was also uh, during the, you know, there, there's a lot of tech companies in the Czech Republic and there were a lot of investments. And usually when the tech company receives an investment, they go on the market and try to find the new developers. So it was very hard for us to, you know, fight with the, with the like a flashy product name, products uh, and brands with the investors behind them to find fight with them over the developers. But it, so it takes time and that was really difficult for us. But I think what worked really well was the outsourcing. So a lot of the development at the beginning and even until today, we are outsourcing. So there are a lot of very good companies in the Czech Republic and in Europe who are willing to help you with the development. And you can basically work with them and onboard them almost as your internal team. So that, that's what really helped us at the beginning, the, the outsource development. So you found an outsourcing company and it was based in the Czech Republic as opposed to Asia or somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for uh, for communication, it, it helped. Uh, and, and occasionally you can like meet with the people uh, in, in person. Mm -hmm. You can, you, you know, they have access to our Jira systems, like whatever. So mm -hmm. they really feel like part of our team, although they are like a different company and they have different clients as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you hire this outsourcing company to build Candy Rack. Uh, what were your first marketing campaigns like? Was it a matter of just, you know, making the product go live on Shopify and based on Shopify's existing customer base, you didn't have to do much marketing? So uh, j just uh, one small correction. The correction, the outsourcing development was more after Candy Rack. The Candy Rack, we actually find, found a local Shopify developer uh, here in the Czech Republic who helped us to uh, to develop the app as a, as a single person. But then once we launched the Kendirek and we have a couple of other apps and a lot more clients, we actually needed to you know grow the internal development team, and that that was when we uh, when we uh, started using the the external companies. Yeah. And to uh, to your question about marketing, so it was really like super slow. Like I think. Even though I read about it like dozens, dozen times, when you launch something, 
don't expect it will uh, it will start from the day zero. But when you actually learn something, you you still expect that that it will go automatically and you will you, you scale from the day zero. So it was really small. Uh, like it was. Uh, I, I remember we we used to have like one install a week or something like that. Like because like there have been like four thousand apps on the App Store, and our was somewhere I don't know probably close to the the bottom. So how how does how does someone find it, right? And so it was important for us to make sure those people who find us uh, make sure that the app worked well for them. And uh, so we pers- we we offered uh, 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 very uh, very good customer support, at, uh, and we still do. I, I think that's one of the one of the reasons why we are doing so well is, is customer support or customer success. Mm-hmm. And we really made sure that they. On board, we onboarded the client properly. We helped them with setting up the app. We did something extra for them, and then we even like monitored from time to time how much, uh, how does the app actually working for them to make sure everything everything is working for them. And then we are from like one client a week uh, to like uh, to one client a day, and then it's really started uh, slowly started to ramp up. And then once you have a few clients like a tens or, or hundreds they tend to tell uh, someone else. So they tend to tell their friends, they tend to share it in some online community. And that would help us to build a brand uh, using the word of mouth of our clients. That's really great, right? It's free marketing, word of mouth, because of how great your product was. Exactly. And I'm still like the biggest believer in like the, the, the good product is the, best, is the best marketing. Because if you need like a spending a lot of money to acquire customers uh, they uh, they usually won't uh, stick with you for for a long time so it's not sustainable but if you are if your product is like good enough so people actually want to use it then you don't need to pay for to acquire them uh, that's always a better position so we prefer really to invest much more into development and innovating our products than to uh, than to actually marketing Mm-hmm. And I suppose this so much was kind of necessary, right? Because you weren't funded. And I believe still to this day, you're still bootstrapped. And was it yeah. uh, money out of savings, out of your own pocket that you invested to get the outsourcing, get the development? Yeah, initially, the, for developing the, the first step, the Kendirek, we, we used our, uh, our savings. Uh, it took, I, I think, six months of uh, one developer for a full time. Mm-hmm. And then once we got the got the up and running, it took I would say another uh, three to six months to actually generate enough revenue to pay for the one developer who was uh, maintaining it. Mm-hmm. But then it kind of kept growing. So eventually we got to a stage that we were able to you know cover the one developer, and then actually we we had. A budget to to uh, to extend the team and hire more developers and so on, and then uh, after a year, uh, then COVID hit and that really helped us to uh, to gain uh, gain a lot of new clients because everyone was moving online, uh, especially in the US. And during COVID, it was also there have been a lot of like uh, investment opportunities, so we have been. Uh, conducted many times whether you want to you know sell the app or mm-hmm. the apps or whether you want to sell the part of the of the business mm-hmm. but for us we we never really seemed that some of the investors would be 
willing to understand the the future and the devaluation as as we do because we still see such a huge opportunity that we we think it's we still have a way in front of us which we can uh, which we which we are uh, during which we are able to push the business using resources we generate from from the business mm -hmm. and what does this future look like Tomas? because you um you obviously built a lot more products for Shopify customers, but you've also gone into development of their Shopify stores. So the future is for us, it's more about diversification because we, I, I think the best products, actually the best products uh, are being built based on your own needs. So every time we need something and we don't see a good solution, we we go and build and or at least we we talk about it whether it would make sense to build uh, something on our own and that's that's kind of our general strategy. So we started with the with the apps business mm -hmm. and during that uh, we had a lot of people contacting us and asking whether we can help them and create their online store on Shopify. Mm -hmm. And we, we always said, well, we are really sorry, but we can help you because we are doing only apps. But the, the number of people were growing and growing and we realized maybe maybe it's time to help them. So we started the, the agency part of the business, which is now completely separated uh, from, from the apps business. And it's basically their own team. Uh, it's part of the Digismundi brand, but it's it's like uh, it's a, like a separated business unit. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we started the, the agency. And during so we during the uh, I think it was like three years ago, there were a lot of people asking us whether we have an affiliate program, right? And at the time we didn't have any, so we said, okay, maybe it's, we can you know, sign up for some affiliate management program and, and onboard those people uh, so they can recommend our apps. But there wasn't any, any good solution at the, at the time uh, on the market. So we decided we will invest in this and develop our own. And, I think by end of the year we'll be releasing our own affiliate platform, which uh, which uh, will start uh, with uh, Shopify app developers, but we can easily expand it to other app ecosystems like Magento, uh, BigCommerce, uh, WooCommerce, uh, whatever. So it's it's another space we kind of open because we saw there is a, there is an opportunity. Uh, so I think we are kind of we will be moving in the future and opening more and more similar businesses. But if you think about it, they are all connected because they are all in e-commerce mm -hmm. and they are all connected uh, by Shopify. Right, they're and, all connected to helping Shopify customers. And then it, it gives you sort of a really nice like way of looking into the business from multiple perspectives, like from the app developer, from the merchant, then from, uh, from the affiliate partner. And we have like a couple more we, we are now discussing. So, the, the future will be about diversification from and transition from app developer to being something broader. Mm -hmm. So this uh, this new business regarding affiliate marketing, it's such an interesting one because you were basically solving your own problem. You wanted to have your affiliate program, but you didn't find a good solution. So you thought, let's go create one. And ultimately we would make it uh, another branch of our business. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, I think 
that's how many businesses today are uh, are actually started. I think ClickUp is also a good example. They, I think they also started as being like, so they have they had the initial ClickUp as their own internal version for their own needs, and then they decided to uh, to open it to public. Mm-hmm. One more question, Tomas, before I wrap this up. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the pricing. So with your initial apps, how did you approach the question of pricing? Because I imagine that, you know, customers on Shopify aren't those who have that much money to spare for buying applications. And instead, they're focusing on, you know, perhaps spending money on their inventory or marketing. So how did you approach that? So uh, our general rule is that the app needs to provide enough value so the merchant doesn't have any issues with paying for it. Mm-hmm. And we also like things very simple. So some of the apps are based on the usage charge. So for example, in, in the upselling space, it would be the X percent of the upsells made by the app uh, will be paid. Mm-hmm. But we like things simple uh, and we also uh, think it's better for the merchant to understand I will be paying 20 or $50 for this. Then I will be paying 3% of whatever and then you are actually not sure whether the app really generated the, the, the revenue or not. So we like think we we like like flat fees because it's much easier to understand and also budget from the from the merchant's point of view. Mm-hmm. So that's how we how we approach it. And we we also try to you know because there are differences between a small store because we have like small stores which are run by one person and they have like a few transactions a month. But also we have like small to medium stores or which have like hundreds or thousands of transactions a day and it's kind of the challenge is how do you differentiate the pricing for your solution for a small client and a big client if you are not in the usage page based charge right so what we do is we uh we uh, charge clients per their shopify shopify plan so if someone is on the basic Shopify plan, we assume that's a, that's a small client and they, uh, they, they will they probably process small amount of transactions. Mm-hmm. While if you are on the, on the Shopify plus, which is the, the, the highest plan, we assume you are a bigger store and you process much more transactions. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we charge you more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got you. So it seems simplicity is the main principle when it comes yes. to pricing that you explored commission-based pricing, but then thought it's more convenient for your customers to know exactly what they're going to pay instead of kind of estimating how much how much they're going to sell in the future and ultimately yeah. the cost is going to be. Yeah, right? exactly. And, and also in your head as a merchant, let's say you are you had a great month and you you had a, like you made a really good sales and then you realize, oh, but I paid I paid X percent out of it to uh, to this solution. It's also not good perception as a uh, as a brand that we we want to have. We want to really be. We want to build a positive experience and positive kind of branding for how people perceive us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Tomas, we have run out of time. Thank you so much for this. It was very insightful. Thank you very much for for having me, and uh, and I, I hope it will be useful for the audience. Take care.